Hello. Hi. Welcome to Truly Fabulously Monstrous, a podcast about true crime and weird stuff. I am half of your host, Hattie James. I'm your other half of your host, Ace. Hi, Ace. Hi, Hattie. How are you today? I am so tired. I worked today. There was an event happening at my library. So in addition to like actual, like regular work, there was also all of the, everyone running around getting things ready for the event that was happening. So that sounds like a eventful day. (laughs) Uh, People showed up for it, but not as many people as they were expecting to show up because it was like a really nice day. So people were like not coming to the library, but like people showed up for it. But so they had planned for more people. So like they had gotten treats and snacks and stuff. Uh, so they had all these leftover cupcakes uh, <laughs> that, like, at the end of the day, like, all of the employees, like, were, like, heading for the time clock to punch out, like, the staff that was running the event. They were like, take, take cupcakes, take cupcakes. Do you want to take some cupcakes? Take some cupcakes. There's so many cupcakes. <laughs> so I was, like, just handed a box. I was going to be like, oh, yeah, I'll take, like, two or three home. And no, I was just handed a box. They're like, here. And I was like, and there are cupcakes in this box. You're like, oh, there are cupcakes in this box. I get home and I open this box and there's like almost a dozen. I was like, oh. how many cupcakes did you have left over? They're like, so many. <laughs> right, a similar thing. So the, you know, the place that I um, volunteer at that I'm not going to yeah. mention uh, on the podcast because that would uh, give a cool my place location. that I want to visit the next time I'm able to get up there and see you. Yeah. <laughs> So um, they were holding 150th, um, no, so the, the building's been there 150 years, but the, what we're using the building for has only been an organization for 50, but it was the 50th year anniversary this summer. So we had a big like wow. open house. Guess what? what? Well, I was going to say, that's really coincidence. That's literally what the event, my thing was today. Our building has been there for 50 years. Oh, yeah, our building was uh, <laughs> built in 1861, but its current use has been since uh, 1971. Okay. Uh, so we had a 50th anniversary of the institution that's there, yes. and we had free admission. And there, this is the thing that confuses me. They were not expecting to get more than like 50 people. We had over 130 people. And yet they were still handing us bags of cookies saying, take cookies home. We have leftovers. So <laughs> I guess the, the volunteers who were in charge of bringing the baked goods were like, oh, baked goods for 50 people. And then they brought like enough baked goods for like 200 people. Well, because usually when it's like small stuff like cookies or cupcakes, like nobody has just one. You go, you're like, I'll have a cookie or seven. <laughs> like, so that's, I mean, that's good planning, but yeah, ours was, our event was, it's, it wasn't the 50th anniversary of like our library system in general, but just the specific building that, of the branch that I work in, this was its 50th anniversary. Yeah. So there was like a, a thing, we had some like former employees come and like give some speeches and it was, that was fun. I got to see um, uh, like my, uh, probably the, like the best supervisor I've ever had who retired a couple of years yeah. ago. He came back and I got chance to catch up with him that was fun but yeah it was just generally exhausting even though like 
the department I work in, like on my weekend crew is like, the event was happening on like the main floor and then like out in the, like the garden attached to our building. Oh, I love the garden attached oh, to your building. Oh, it's so pretty. And it's a great spot for like, when you have to have like socially distant events. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause it's outside and you can spread out. Um, and it's really nice, but like, so I'm up on the second floor, like where all the, like, the public access computers are and stuff. So I'm not like where all this stuff is happening. And it still was exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> there were just so many people coming in and out. And uh, like some patrons that I haven't seen for a while came in. It was nice to see them. They were like finally felt comfortable coming back into the library. And that was great. But it was just a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like by the time the end of the day rolled around, I'm like, oh my God, can I clock out yet? <laughs> Slightly aside, but speaking of like anniversaries, um, Almost a decade ago at this institution, uh, they were celebrating the 150th anniversary of a big event that happened in the area. Right. And to because it happened right across the road from this institution, the, the building that was this institution, uh, the institution said that they were going to celebrate it. So they got a bunch of these like ornaments and... Um, and mugs and calendars printed that we were going to sell. I wasn't volunteering at the time, but I know about this because for some reason, the person in charge of ordering them ordered, you know, probably more ornaments than they should have, more mugs than they should have, (laughs) but ordered like 2,000 calendars. That's so many. That is so, that's too many calendars. I can tell you that this anniversary event was held i'm trying not to have like if there's any creepy people like trying to triangle <laughs> a location and look up like events that happened by like cross dating it happened more than more than five years ago between five and ten years ago okay <laughs> this is my first year volunteering at this facility and we are now giving them away for free and about a month ago yeah the calendars wouldn't they be horrendously out of date Yes. So the, these calendars were made with uh, local artists painted and did like depictions of each uh, for each month of the event. Uh, and we're told to give them away and tell people you can destroy the calendar if you want so that you can hang up these photos. We've actually had people who have come all the way to our town because they're interested in, in the event that happened and they want to know more about it. And they hear that like, and they see the free calendars and they're like, Oh, let, let me take them because we have all a plaque right, about right. the event right across the road where it happened. And then they meander into our building and they see the calendars and they take them. And I was like, Oh, a month ago, I was like, Oh, that's neat. We're finally down to like the last five. And the director laughed and said, no, uh. we have five more cases down in the basement. <gasps> Just going into the, you, you, you plan to have more than you needed a little more dramatic than cupcakes okay in that same vein though okay so like library summer reading programs there's if you're if your library is part of the american library association the american library association for the past like decade or so has had if your library wants to do this there's a summer reading theme with associated like merch and stuff that your library can get so that way you don't have to worry about like hand making decorations or anything if you they're like if you want to here is a summer reading theme that'll that most ALA affiliated libraries are going to use 
they didn't always do that but like i said like the past decade or so they've been doing that and like um like this year the the summer reading theme was tales and tales like tales t-a-i-l-s and yeah. tales t-a-l-e-s yeah and then like there was one year where it was like dig into reading and the theme was all like underground stuff and like yeah I remember the last time I took place in a summer reading thing at an ALA affiliated library <laughs> it was something like like uh dive into a good book and yes. it was all like yeah. beach theme stuff, well, stuff. yeah like five or ish so years ago the theme it was all science theme. the theme was fizz boom read so it was all like like science experiments and like mad scientist themed. And one of the prizes that you could bulk order for your library and like give out as like children's prizes or adult prizes if you do an adult summer reading program, are, they were rubber ducks that were like, they were like little mad scientist rubber ducks that had like the uh, Doc Brown hair and they were holding little beakers and they had little lab coats. Cute, right? Okay, so apparently... The people in charge of our, like, because we had separate, like, kids, teen, and adult programs. Every single person who was in charge of a summer reading program bulk ordered those ducks to the point where, like, this year I was in charge of the adult summer reading. And I'm, like, starting to, like, do the weekly prize packs. And I'm, it is 2021, and I am still finding these fucking ducks. (laughs) Oh, God. They haunt my every, they haunt my, I I thought we'd finally getting rid of them. I have like one at my desk at work. I have two in my house. I like there's one like balanced if on top of the If you can give them away, clock. I'll take one. I don't I ho- think maybe we finally have gotten to the end of them, but it was just like I was going through like a box of old prizes. I'm like, "Oh, I'm starting to like run out of the theme prizes for this year, but we have a lot of leftover prizes from other years. Like what could I reuse? Oh my god, are these more science books? What the hell? That program was in 2014." So we should probably get started. Yeah. So this is you doing a weird, correct? This is me doing a weird, yes. Because last week I did a crime. This was on my, um, when I sent you like a picture of my list of when you said you're like, I I don't, I don't really know what, what weird thing to choose. And I was like, oh, let me send you a picture of my list. And if you want to pick something from the list I have, go for it. This was one of the things that was on that list that you were like, "Um, please explain. What is this? Yeah. So today I am going to tell you about the Beast of Busco, aka Oscar the Turtle. I was really confused as to why you had a turtle on there and how that is considered a cryptid or a weird thing. So please enlighten me. <laughs> okay. So in 1898 in Churubusco, Indiana, there was a farmer named Oscar Falk. On Oscar's farm, uh, there was like a seven acre lake that was part of his property. That's a big farm, by the way. If you have a seven acre lake and you still have like a functioning farm, that's a big farm. (laughs) So he had this pretty decent sized lake on his property. And so one day he was out on his farm near the lake. He noticed what appeared to be a very large turtle just hanging out in the lake, just chilling, doing turtle stuff. And so Folk wasted no time telling all of his farming neighbors about this unusually huge turtle chilling in his farms like because it was the 1800s and literally anything counted as an exciting conversation. Like, (laughs) I don't know if you've ever read a newspaper from like the late 1800s, early 1900s, literally everything counted as news. Like, Marsha Farmhousewife walked into town today and bought three bolts of cloth at the country store. Neighbors available for comment said, this is the height of news like yeah everything was news so he was like hey guys i saw this giant huge turtle in my lake 
And also, okay, like, in, in his defense, like, 1800s or not, if you had a large lake and you saw that, you would tell everyone. That's literally my next bullet point, is oh. if I saw any turtle of any kind, I would also tell everyone in my immediate vicinity about it, because it is a turtle, and everyone needs to know about the turtle. I mean, you essentially live in a swamp, yeah. and I've been to your place and heard the frogs. Yeah. And every single time you see a frog, I get a Snapchat or an Instagram <laughs> Frog. dm about a frog, it's a frog. so um <laughs> like I you are this farmer yes exactly every time i go for a walk and i see like a turtle i'm like look it's a turtle everybody look at a turtle <gasps> so yeah anyway the majority of farmers that folk told about this big very good large turtle didn't really care they they did not care about the discovery of this big reptilian very good boy uh some of them even laughed at him for his excitement about this giant turtle that he saw so Oscar Falk realized nobody around him appreciated the beauty of this very large aquatic reptile. And he realized this turtle probably just wanted to chill, live his turtley life without being fussed over. So he just left it be. He ignored it for the remainder of the time he owned his farm. He just was like, okay, that's the turtle that lives in my life. Cool. So that was the first sighting in 1898. We now fast forward 50 years to 1948. Uh, Oscar has sold his farm to a man named Gail Harris. Now, uh, Gail Harris, he's like checking out his new farm property, has this big seven acre lake. He realizes, hey, I now have a good fishing spot. So he names the lake Lake Falk or Falk Lake, either one of those, after, obviously, after the previous owner. And he opens the lake to the locals as like a public fishing spot. That's nice of him. Big seven acre lake, let your neighbors come fish on it. So one day in July in uh, 1948, two men, Aura Blue and Charlie Wilson, took a small boat out of the lake to do some fishing. Just two bros relaxing, catching some fish, telling some stories, bro time. And so they're out on their boat and they spot a giant, very big turtle hanging out and surfs to the water, like to the point where like it goes under their boat at one time. And the one guy goes, hey, the turtle's on this side of the boat. And the other guy says, no, the turtle's on this side of the boat. And then they realize, oh, it's the same turtle <laughs> on both uh, sides. What's of the boat. life expectancy of a turtle? Um, in captivity, a snapping turtle can live up to 50 years, but there have been wild caught ones that have lived over 100 years. Okay. So, so it's not abnormal that it's 50 years later. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like if it was, if it was a young turtle when uh, Oscar Falk first saw it, it highly, it could very well have lived that long. Yeah. Even if um, it was, like, a fully grown, but still, like, mm-hmm. just out of adolescence, it oh, wouldn't yeah. be. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think they live as long as, like, the leatherback sea turtles that can push, like, 200 years old. But they, like, a, a, like a, a wild snapping turtle can live a pretty long life, yeah. So, like I said, they're, they, they see this big old turtle just completely ignoring their boat, just going about its turtle business of being a very big turtle before, like, diving back down to the bottom of the lake. So Aura and Charlie were just like absolutely amazed at this. And they like took their boat back to the shore and they were like, they found Harris and they were like, hey, you got to know about this huge turtle that we saw. And they described it as like looking like, like a normal snapping turtle, but with the addition of a spiked shell, the size of like a large dining room table, approximately six feet wide, probably weighing in at about 500 pounds. So nothing at all like a normal. Yeah. So they're like, like a normal snapping turtle, only not. <laughs> also, here's my quick aside. I'm not questioning how they estimated like the width of the shell. That's easy enough to like guess from looking like you'd be like, okay, that's yeah, like I know what six feet is. That's about six feet wide. Um, like 
My dad's over six feet tall. I know how to estimate what six feet looks like. I am questioning how they got to the 500 pounds estimation, okay. though. Oh, no, because... I have an answer for that. I'm just if like, you were experienced in like hunting or fishing, yeah, you're very good at looking and being like, oh, yeah, that's a 500 pounder. Just like it's it, the reason I know this because I always thought that that was a joke until I became a mom. <laughs> and me and somebody I work with who also has a kid my my harbinger's age like we were on zoom and i picked up my kid and she went oh that's a 16 pounder right there and he had just been weighed the day before at 15 pounds and <laughs> driving him like ounces. a fish <laughs> yeah, well that's what it is it's like so it's the same it's like if you are around a certain type of creature or human for long enough, then you are very good at looking at like their size and their proportions and being able to immediately guess their weight. See, I just snapping turtles are so weird for me because I always like picture snapping turtles as like like a regular snapping turtle weighing like hundreds of pounds because if you've ever tried to move one out of the middle of the road when it doesn't want to be moved, it weighs like as the, it just like becomes this like infinite mass <laughs> because it doesn't want to yeah, be moved. Yeah, they dead weight. Yeah, but then I like Googled it. Apparently, like the average snapping turtle weighs like 23 pounds. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm just wondering, like, if I looked at a turtle in the water, I would not be able to be like, that big old boy is absolutely 500 pounds right there. Or <laughs> that is 500 pounds of turtle right there. I'd just be like, that's ah, a big turtle. It um, weigh anything. It's also in the water, so it's very buoyant. <laughs> was this at a time? when it wasn't illegal to hunt and eat turtles and make turtle soup because if they're the kind of people who hunted and ate turtles then yeah they same as like looking at a deer and being like oh Probably. that's a 150 yeah. pounder that yeah, i they... didn't even think about that that's that's yeah. absolutely right yeah i want to look up when it became illegal time well it also depends on the turtle some turtles are still completely legal to do that like the apparently the turtle like the goal turtle for the longest time was a diamondback terrapin to make terrapin soup yeah uh those are now very endangered there is something called fishing bycatch which is capturing turtles as a byproduct of fishing so if these were fishermen then it's very likely that they fished for turtles so, uh, so they went and told Harris about this big, big turtle that they saw. So Harris was completely baffled. And so he began to keep daily watch on the lake, like looking for signs of this good big turtle that he had inherited with the purchase of this farm. So he's like, man, if there's a giant turtle in my lake, I would like to know about it. Took a lot of watching, but after about a year of just like regular um, observation of the lake uh, in March of 1949, uh, Harris finally saw this very big turtle. He's now Beautiful like... Boy flush with excitement about confirming the existence of a humongous reptile in his lake, he began telling everybody in town who would listen about his new giant turtle in his lake. This time, the townspeople were, like, super jazzed about it, and they persuaded Harris that he should try and catch this six-foot-wide, possibly 500-pound, covered-in-spikes, very big turtle. (laughs) Oh, because that's a smart idea. And Harris said, bet, and he began constructing a trap consisting of uh, multiple wooden stakes, rolls of chicken wire with raw bait. Like there's pictures of this trap that like he first started trying to construct. It's mainly so pictures there's actual of pictures wire. because what you're describing sounds like something out of like a young adult campy book. There are pictures of the people involved. I will get into why there should be pictures of this turtle. There should be. I don't know why none of them survived. There should be pictures of this turtle because we'll get into it. But so he's constructing this trap 
mainly out of chicken wire and like wooden stakes. Uh, he kind of set it up so that it would like act as sort of like a funnel. And once the turtle was into it, like he'd be like forced into like a very small area, like in about 10 feet of water. So after his trap was complete, the whole town arrived at his farm to wait for this turtle to arrive. They all had cameras in hopes of catching this turtle on film. Uh, another quick aside, apparently the best way to ensure that a wild animal is left alone and not captured and forced into a display for the entertainment of a bunch of dipshits is just to laugh in the face of the person trying to tell you about the cool thing they saw because Oscar Falk was like, nobody gives a shit about this cool turtle I found. Guess I'll leave the turtle alone to live his turtle life. And Gil Harris was like, well, everybody gives a shit about this cool turtle I found. Guess I'll catch it and turn it into an attraction where it's forced to live in a tiny cage and make its life miserable. Humans are shit. Exactly. And so this very big turtle friend did show up after like a couple hours of waiting. This large, large boy swam up to this trap, kind of went into it, like towards this very easy bait waiting for it at the end of the trap. And people on the shore lost their mind, began taking pictures shooting film like there were video cameras the good news for the turtle at least is that chicken wire is a terrible choice for trap building yeah i was about to say if you're thinking especially if you're a big old spiky turtle yeah what what made him think that chicken wire was gonna hold it yeah so he kind of just like busted out of this trap kool-aid man style (laughs) swam back down into like the deep part of the lake like thanks for the food bye and so after this news of a giant turtle living and being sighted and nearly captured in Falk Lake began to spread outside of town. Harris and the two fishermen, Aura and Charlie, began talking to local reporters as soon as they could, and soon it was a national story. Newspapers from across the country began to refer to this large, and I would like to emphasize this part, completely docile and very chill turtle as the Beast of Busco. It's not a beast, it's a good boy. None of these sightings has this very good reptile boy behaved threateningly or hostily. And I stand by my description of him as being the goodest large turtle of all time, a very large good boy who has not hurt anyone ever. Some papers, instead of going with the Beast of Busco, began referring to the turtle as Oscar in honor of the original witness, Oscar Falk. So I will be referring to him as such for the remainder of my notes. Okay. This increase in media attention turned Lake Falk into a tourist destination, and curious road trippers began making their way to the Harris's farm in order to see Oscar for themselves. Some people showed up not to see the turtle, but in order to publicly ridicule Harris for his claims that such a, quote, unbelievable creature was living in his lake. Once again, people took pictures and video of this. I don't know why none of them survived. Maybe everyone was just really bad at photography. There's like nothing in any of the notes I said that just, I think there was one thing that was like, none of the film was good. Maybe. Okay. The people have the photos, but they're keeping them like in some, like someone's grandma's scrapbook at the top of like a farm attic. Yeah. So anyway, like the amount of people that showed up to just be like, there's no turtle in your lake. And I had to come in person to tell you. Harris is like, I'm not going to let people drag my name and reputation through the dirt. So I'm now going to devote all of my available time to capturing this turtle to prove that I'm not crazy. You know, a perfectly rational thing for anyone to do. The charm of being a tourist attraction got old real quick for Harris's family because this was their personal house that people were barging up to trying to see this giant turtle. 
there's a book by bj hollers called midwestern strange that he like each chapter is dedicated to a different midwestern like cryptid so in the chapter dedicated to oscar harris's wife helen recounts how by mid-march of 1949 their property had become crowded with tourists on a daily basis uh one day in march alone about 3,000 people crowded onto their property making it pretty much impossible to run the farm effectively, like milking cows, maintaining farm equipment, washing dishes in the house were now a spectacle for the press and for the public who, in their effort to get close to Oscar, meant that they were also wanted to get close to Harris and his family. So fences on their property were destroyed by crowds trying to get close enough to glimpse either the turtle or the guy trying to catch the turtle. Uh, crops on the farm were trampled by those same crowds. And in an interview with Hollers for the book, Helen said, quote, we couldn't sit down and eat a meal in peace or get our work done on schedule. We had no privacy in our home. People came by the hundreds and would walk right into the house without knocking. This is the Midwest in the like the late 40s, early 50s, like barging into the home of a stranger without knocking. That's like rude as fuck. Why didn't they lock their doors? Because it's the Midwest. That's not friendly. And neither is barging into someone's house. No, lock I know. Just, like, this is the Midwest. Like, you know, lock, you know, like what if your neighbor wants to come over for tea? They can knock. <laughs> spoken like a real new englander i don't invite people over for tea like people <laughs> knock on the door and i will go into like like hiding i'll go mode? to the window that's closest and i'll peek through the permanently closed blinds to yeah. see if i can see who they are and then from then i make a determination whether or not to open the door oh yeah nine uh, out of ten times on I my door i like go into full like like stop drop and roll mode i'm like if i drop to the floor they can't see me and i like army crawl my way <laughs> into the kitchen and like spy through the window i have two doors to get into my house and one of them like i don't use that door because there's no like s- there's no barrier to prevent the cats from just sprinting out of the house so i'm like i don't use that door all of the regular people maintenance people that come to do like central air maintenance and stuff they know not to go to that door they know so if someone knocks on that door i'm like i'm not letting you in anyway <laughs> time to pretend i'm not home (laughs) yeah we keep our blinds like permanently closed so uh when someone knocks on the door i can just like walk up normally but quietly to the window and just like peek through the blind and it's far enough away from the door that they they don't don't notice yeah yeah so crowds would show up each day to watch harris and the people who were helping attempt to capture oscar uh some of the means by which harris attempted to locate and capture oscar included Construction of a homemade periscope intended to see down into the lake and locate where Oscar's preferred hangout locations were. Okay. Uh, The status of this water was too murky to see anything. The tube that he used injured Harris's eye. A (laughs) A fully functioning diving suit used by Harris's friends Woodrow Rigby to search beneath the water. Status of this search abandoned after the helmet began to leak. Oh yeah, I would yeah. I would abandon immediately. That same diving suit with a newly repaired helmet, this time worn by a different person named Walter Johnson. That is, Johnson got stuck up to his chest in mud at the bottom of the lake. Oh no. I don't know how they got him. They got him out. He was okay, but they were like, maybe the diving suit is not the way to go. <laughs> a female sea turtle put into the lake under the hopes that Oscar would just be so horny for this lady turtle that he would be, go near enough to the dumb two-legged weirdos desperate to capture and imprison him. Status of that. The universe doesn't function according to the same rules as a fucking Bugs Bunny cartoon. So of course this didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> also, they put a sea turtle into a freshwater lake. 
what were they thinking? <laughs> they were thinking it was like the at this point maybe like the 1950s, and yeah. they were stupid. Like, like this will work. <laughs> oh, this is, this is, the universe works by cartoon logic. If we give him the lady, maybe if we tape some fake boobs on the lady turtle, that way he knows it's the lady turtle. <laughs> <sighs> Lipstick, a little blonde wig. Yeah. It's like, obviously Oscar's like I'm not that stupid thank you (laughs) so after about seven months of constant searching Harris started to get a little desperate to prove Oscar's existence his methods started getting a little more insane (laughs) he grew less concerned with capturing Oscar alive and started embracing more of a dead or alive I just want proof of his style of Oscar hunting Harris yeah so some of his new methods included dynamite no you know the completely logical resort of a well-adjusted person uh status of that it didn't produce a floating turtle body so i'm guessing failure which is good his next option was to this, drain wait, the lake wait, 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 i'm gonna stop right there if the turtle weighed 500 pounds it wouldn't float up it would just be dead at the bottom of the lake well maybe the way turtles can like sink and float like with the bladder system and the air in their shell depending on how much air was in his shell if that happened may very well have floated up but also we know it didn't work and i'll get to that in a second but like so his next option was to try and drain the lake and it should be noted uh when harris started resorting to the more lethal methods of capture the large crowds of onlookers like shrank considerably and harris's reputation took like a major hit because I'm, I guess capturing the giant marvel of nature and forcing it into like a tiny display and making it live in sadness and misery is fine, but blowing it up with dynamite is like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a little too far. That's a little much, my dude. <laughs> I mean, his uh, family was probably happy that the crowds diminished. Yeah. Uh, but so when he announced in October of uh, 1949 that his last ditch effort to prove the existence of Oscar the Turtle. Oh, we're still in 1949. Oh yeah, we're still in- A year hasn't even passed. Yeah, yeah. This is like all in like the space of like one like summer and fall. He decided, he's like, I'm going to drain the lake. And boy, howdy, those crowds came right back. (laughs) This time, uh, Harris was like, oh, wait a minute. If the crowds are coming back, let me be a little smarter about this. And he charged an entrance fee. (laughs) He's like, you want to come onto my property? Give me $5. (laughs) I don't know if that was that. It was probably like a dollar. But so he charged an entrance fee. And with the money he raised from the crowds, he was able to obtain like a large pump, which he attached to his tractor and used it to drain the lake. After a few days of pumping water to, you know, I don't know where the water was being pumped to. Like you got to pump it somewhere. I don't know if they like built like a, like a dammed off section, like another, another they lake. They usually do that or like a structure. So after a few days of pumping, the lake had been reduced from like seven acres to one acre and was very like a lot shallower. This is when Oscar finally made his presence known. He was like, all right, all right, this is getting enough. Uh, The crowd watched now this like very small lake where a single duck had landed and was floating around being a duck. Now I am now picturing that scene in the first Jurassic Park movie when they put the goat in the T-Rex pen. Oh, and then the power no, goes out. Poor duck. And then the goat just like the the like the goat leg like lands on the roof of the jeep, and the T Rex busts through the fence, like chopping down on what's left of the goat. So in a very T Rex move, this crowd is watching this duck just paddle around on this much much reduced lake. Oscar just whoo, erupts out of the lake beneath the duck and just, whoo, just chop. 
no more duck and then everyone probably shit themselves probably i also i didn't know that snapping turtles could eat birds apparently snapping turtles will eat anything they can fit into their weird like saw trap looking mouths so like upon the side of oscar surfacing and committing bird asides like <laughs> the crowd loses their minds and they start yelling at harris like work faster drain the lake faster but luck was not on harris's side as now they're getting to the bottom of the lake where all the mud is and if that mud is strong enough to get a grown-ass man stuck up to his chest it's also strong enough to break the fuck out of a 1940s pump (laughs) it clogged up so bad that it broke the tractor that he had attached it to that's his farming tractor he just broke his farming tractor yeah uh harris is unwilling to admit defeat (laughs) So he uses the last of his money that he like got from charging the crowd admission. He uses the last of that money to rent a crane to drag the lake. Oscar is a wily beastie. And uh, even when relegated to like an acre of like, at this point, the water is like five feet deep. He was able to avoid capture. After dragging the lake, Turabusco was hit with such an intense stretch of like rainy weather it was enough to fill the lake back up to its original seven acres. <laughs> so Oscar had his like full aquatic wonderland back to be mysterious. And, and in December of 1949, we're still in the same year. This is the end of 1949. Uh, Harris's health was suffering from a co- comorbidity of poor health and no money. <laughs> and I think that was his, he's like, all right, this is my wake up call to stop. And he called off any remaining attempts to capture Oscar. Uh, in August of 1950, because he had sunk so much money into his efforts to prove the existence of Oscar, he was now swimming in debt. He was forced to sell his farm at auction. And after he sold the farm and with it Lake Folk, there was never another confirmed sighting of Oscar the Turtle again. So what happened to Oscar, the Beast of Busco? Uh, There are two major theories. Let's start with the saddest theory, just get that out of the way. Uh, There's a very real possibility that during that last bit of draining the lake due to the dropping water level and the dragging of the lake bed, churning everything up and the receding water level, it's very possible that that caused him to get stuck in the lake bed and unable to free himself. He may have died. Uh, People who support this theory feel like this might explain why he was never seen again after the lake filled back up during the rainy season. But I don't like this theory. It's too sad. So we're going to move on. Uh, locals from Cherbusco attest that Lake Folk is connected to other lakes in the area by a system of like underground like channels and subterranean rivers. And those are like subterranean rivers are a thing that exists. Uh, yeah, so this... I mean, that's where all the water sources in like the yeah. out west are. Yeah, so this theory puts forth that when things got like a little too chaotic, Oscar would just use these underground channels to escape into another lake away from all the noise and commotion. Like all the rich people in New York who go, gosh, Deborah, let's go spend the season at our summer house down the shore. <laughs> so um and if all the lakes in the area were connected underground and oscar's lake was like suddenly beset by a lunatic man lobbing dynamite into it and like draining it and dragging it just generally ruining the vibe and also like the like the biodiversity like the balance of everything oscar probably decided like fuck this shit i'm out <laughs> i can't blame him for that <laughs> if he just was like i'm gonna move to another lake and just live in another lake from now on um there's the third theory the Killjoy buzzkill theory that the whole thing was a hoax and that Oscar never existed. But also, again, that theory is no fun and I hate it. 
And if it was a hoax, then why would Harris have bankrupted himself trying to prove otherwise? Also, there were enough witnesses with cameras, even though we don't have any surviving photos, that were like, no, there it was. I watched it kill that duck. (laughs) Yeah. Oscar no longer sticking around for Beast of Busco sightings has done nothing to dampen the enthusiasm for his very brief existence in this town. He lives on through Cherubusco's annual Turtle Days Festival, a two-day celebration held each June with barbershop quartets, a parade, a carnival, and turtle races. Turtle races. <laughs> races. And like, if you look up pictures of the town, there's like little turtle statues everywhere. Like this I'm town is very. Right now. They're like, we love our like very briefly existing little cryptid. We love him very much. Could he have been a real turtle? Possibly. Like, there's definitely sea turtles, like the leatherback sea turtle that can reach six feet in length and tip the scales of over a thousand pounds. Uh, the witnesses of the Beast of Busco were certain that what they were seeing in this freshwater lake was an alligator snapping turtle. And the alligator snapping turtles have been known to reach up to like 400 and so pounds. So a 500 pound alligator snapping turtle is not entirely unheard of. And in like we said before, in captivity, their lifespan can be like approximately 50 years or so. There have been snapping turtles uh, caught in the wild that could be upwards of 150 years old. So the existence of a six foot wide, 500 pound alligator snapping turtle in a lake in Indiana that lived for over 50 years is not completely beyond the realm of possibility. And the legend of Oscar the Turtle, the Beast of Busco, still persists, even though he has not been sighted since his last instance of duck chomping. Uh, <laughs> Oscar has taken on some foot, somewhat of like a legendary Bigfoot status as just this large nature-dwelling creature that is hard to catch sight of, that may or may not still be around, just waiting to be spotted in a blurry picture, like halfway through the lake. Yeah. <laughs> the lake itself hasn't changed very much since the rain refilled it after the Great Turtle Search. Um, it's now on private property, but you can see parts of it from the road. It's like just like a general lake like algae covers parts of the surface the water's real deep and dark hiding whatever might lurk beneath the surface it recently went back on the market listed at a million dollars so if you have a million dollars lying around you could become the newest entry in oscar the turtle story (laughs) journalist travis smola in his article about oscar for wideopenspaces.com which is an online media company focusing on content about the great outdoors concludes his article with the following thought that i think summarizes what i believe like really lies at the heart of all love of local legends definitely pinpoints what i love most about cryptids in the end it may be better that oscar was never found because imagining what lurks beneath the surface is a lot more fun than actually knowing what is there the fact that oscar was never captured lets the legend persist for further generations to enjoy and speculate upon and that is oscar the turtle the beast of busco yeah, minus uh, the dynamite i love it yeah I, I love it when a cryptid like a town local cryptid is like a real animal <laughs> yeah yeah so my sources for this obviously were wikipedia the cryptids fandom entry of the beast of busco travis smola's wide open spaces article beast of busco the legend of a 500 plus pound indiana snapping turtle uh, medium.com exploring history article by cassandra o'hara a Tiny Indiana Town's Titanic Turtle Tale, uh, the Michigan Quarterly Review, uh, B.J. Holler's Unsolved History, A Giant Turtle, A Stubborn Man, and Dredging Up a Myth, a Mental Floss article by Jake Rosen, Indiana's Falk Lake, Home to the Beast of Busco, is up for sale, the Pine Barrens Institute uh, entry by Adam Benedict, Cryptid Profile, The Beast of Busco, a.k.a. Oscar the Turtle, 
Fort Wayne's local CBS affiliate uh, by Taylor Williams. Cherubusco Lake Home to the Legendary Beast of Busco is on the market. KPC News Cindy Larson, The Beast of Busco, Folklore Fact or Both. There was an entry on Unknown Explorers, The Beast of Busco, and then of course BJ Holler's book, Midwestern Strange, which I am halfway through and I might use as a source for further spooky things. So Hi. Yeah. Yay. Yay! <laughs> great job on that one that Yay. one's really like that's a cryptid that i've never heard of before so very I, I, excited i was reading through the midwestern strange book and like the first couple chapters, i was like oh okay there's a chapter on mothman there's a chapter on like some ufo sightings and the thing and i'm like a turtle what it's like oh i'm covering this <laughs> so yeah Yay! Hey! <laughs> I guess we should tell people where to find us now. Yes. Yeah. So, if you have questions, comments, concerns, stories you want to tell us, sweet nothings you want to type in a very, very small font as if whispering in our ear, you can email us at trulyfabulouslymonstrous at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram, trulyfabulouslymonstrous, all one word. And uh, if you want to check us out on Twitter, we are there as well, at TFABMonsterPod. Yay! So Yay. tune in next time when I tell a crime. A crime. Yay! Uh, we'll be there. We hope you will too. Bye!